TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I mean, I've done everything. Glenn Perkins. I've started, I've mopped up, I've closed. Glenn Perkins. We joke around and we have fun and he's different, he's unique. He seems like a guy that I'd like to have him do it. It's me. It's Glenn Perkins on baseball. Sweet. Hey, welcome to the Score North Twins show. This is Glenn Perkins on baseball. I am the host, Glenn Perkins. Uh, I've got Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore with me, as usual. What's um, more? What? <laughs> What's more? We, uh, we are going to have Ryan Presley join us later, but uh, he's in town with the Astros. But first, uh, there was a little bit of happening last night across uh, the AL Central. Things um, were happening. Are you saying it's happening right now? You know, I said things were happening. Some things happened. You know uh, you want to say it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the Twins uh, took another one from the Astros, almost another shutout. Uh, and then I think bigger news uh, going forward is is probably what happened to Kluber down in Miami, I believe. So, um, so the description need need your insight on this as a a man who has pitched and has been through pitcher injuries. X rays showed a non displaced fracture of Corey Kluber's right ulna. Can you repeat that in English? Like how bad? That sounds terrible. So I mean, non non displaced is good. I, I believe okay. that that's essentially like not like it, you know they they maybe don't have to pin it or it didn't like snap and like stick out of his arm or anything like that. Like I think it's just your standard fracture. Obviously not not good. Not good for him. Not good for the Indians. Um, is this like an out for three months? Out for a month? Gosh, out for... it's going to be a while. I mean that that's that that's the bone on the backside of your arm. It goes from your elbow all the way down to your wrist. Um, and yeah, uh, he's. I, I mean, it, it's incredible. Like I saw the replay of it, and it, it didn't even look like he was in pain. Like you could yeah. tell, you he, he like looked more frustrated yeah. than like it had to be like searing pain. Like, well, he is a robot. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget. That's exa- I think yeah, I think it's it's confirmed now. I mean, I I remember when Phil Hughes took the line drive off his leg. And and he reacted like I think a human should that like went down and was a holding it and like oh my god and then yeah. that, that was the same kind of deal except his lower leg as opposed to his arm but um, man it's gonna be a while you know every every day you're out is another day longer you know so if you're out for if you don't do anything for six weeks let it heal you're another six weeks from probably being back in the big leagues pitching again. I think maybe hmm. he'll speed it up a little bit, um, you know, but it, it's essentially a day for a day. So you, every day you take off a throw and every day you're not, you know, w- w- playing catch or, or anything like that is, a, is a, hmm. an extra day on back into your rehab. And so. that's not like just losing, you know, uh, your number three starter or like, like Mike Clevenger missed some time. This is maybe the best pitcher of the last three years in the American League, and the Indians are down two and a half games, three games in the loss column to the Twins. And the way, like Derek and I, I think we we think about the baseball schedule and win-loss totals in a pretty similar way in that at the beginning of the season, you have an expectation for what a team's range could be. But then whatever happens in April, you have to start to alter what your perception is. So the Twins right now are 18-10, and after uh, as we as we do this show after their uh, win against the Astros on uh, Wednesday night, and if they were to just play 500 baseball the rest of the way, just play straight up 500 baseball the rest of the way, that's an 85 and 77 team. 85 wins actually got the wild card game against the Yankees a couple years ago. Does anyone in this room think, barring a bunch of injuries, that the Twins are just a 500 team from this point going forward? Because I think they're better than that. No, and and so their preseason projections, what what were they at? You know, around a 500 team, I guess, maybe a little under. So then every win you get 
it, you know, those wins count as much, if not more, in some ways. That that what it does is, as this season goes on, you would assume that the Twins maybe move, make some moves to get better, and and in turn, then other teams say, hey, you know what, the Twins, God, we missed, we just lost Kluber and Clevenger for two months out of the season, out of our first half. You know, now now we're eight games back. So instead of them saying, "Hey, we're gonna try to do something. We're gonna go get an Andrew Miller. We're gonna go get a, you know a guy," it's it's you know what? This isn't gonna work. <laughs> Let's see what we can get for some of the assets we have. What can no. we get for Trevor Bauer? What can we get for you know maybe even a Corey Kluber? So you know it, it does multiple things. It it impacts the, the standings in multiple ways. And and winning, getting off to a hot start in April. Yeah, I mean, because then the longer you play this well. The 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 less those blips that are gonna inevitably happen during a season matter. Yeah, yeah. If you're shopping Trevor Bauer, I'll take. <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, huh? look at you! You're all choked up over I'll, this. I'll situation. take him off your hands. <laughs> I just got excited about potentially getting an AL Cy Young winner <laughs> at the deadline. Just really sad about Kluber. Just... No, so it is. It's tough. It's like as as a follower of the Twins, you don't want to celebrate injuries. Of course, I mean this is like a terrible thing that happened. Um. Clevenger missing two months minimum. Like they said, I think Tito said, what was the quote? Something like he was going to sit eight weeks before he picked up a baseball. Yeah, and that was that was maybe four weeks ago. Pretty early in the season. But I, but I mean, still, you're not expecting him back anytime soon. He's a borderline ace, given how he pitched last year. Kluber, I know his ERA wasn't great this year, but Kluber's an ace. So that's a that's meaningful wins and losses just lost out of your starting rotation if you're the Indians. I, I came into the season saying... Indians probably have the two best position players in the division, and they have the best starting staff in baseball. After that, it gets a little bit hairy, but I think that's enough to p- propel them to at least to the conversation of the AL Central, if not the favorites in the AL Central. Now that they've cut that essentially in half, and they miss Lindor for a little bit of time, now their advantage is shrunk or gone. But here, here's so I think again going into the year, everything you just said, the the tail of the tape was. Okay, the Indians very clearly have a better starting rotation on paper, and the Twins have a better lineup, or at least better lineup one through nine. I think if you were to rank all of the hitters, you'd still take Ramirez and Lindor one and two, or at least in the top three. Um, But the wild card here for me is these guys like Martin Perez and what Taylor Rogers has turned into, and what we've seen from Jake Odorizzi and Kyle Gibson's great uh, comeback season last year. There's an X factor here with this organization and what they've been able to do with with pitchers. The fact that they identified Anibal Sanchez before last season and everyone kind of laughed and said, "What are you what are you doing? Is this just another classic twin scrap heap signing?" No, it wasn't. And they were right. They didn't pull the trigger on keeping him on the roster, but they were right. They signed Martin Perez. What is this guy's a 6 ERA? What are like what what do you see in him? A guaranteed contract? And then he goes out last night against that lineup and the day after scoring eleven runs, right? You know, um, well, and we talked about it a couple weeks ago on on this show um, that it, you look at at the direction that teams are heading, and mm-hmm. I think that was important to note at that time. It's even more important now that that we talked about Kluber on the on the wrong side of thirty. That some of these guys, obviously, they, Ramirez and Lindor are not, but. Yeah. You know, and then with the twins, where it's it's hey, what's Jorge Polanco? How is he going to do? How's Max Kepler going to do? You know, can Byron Buxton continue to improve? And and you just look at the directional, the the direction that the teams are going, and yeah. and you could see that. And by no means did we, did we say or did, did I think or anybody think that the the Indians were going to fall off a cliff? Sure, it, but. It's just those things happen to teams. The longer they've had good luck, the longer that things have gone in their favor, the less likely it is to go forward. 
The 2011 and, Twins. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And wow. and so I mean the Indians just they had they've had a run of of good health with pitchers, which is sure. really hard to do. And yeah. you know that's also again something we've discussed. Keeping those guys healthy is something that is going to make you better. But it's just that whole direction. Like it just had a feel of like. The, the twins were are are growing towards something where in a way the Indians are were kind of on that backside of that hill you know the, the ball's kind of rolling down the other side of the hill a little bit just because you get to that you know the, the the Royals were the same way that you get to that apex and it's it's way harder to stay there yeah than, than it is you know and and AJ Hinch talked about that last night with the Astros that it was you know they were a better team last year. Then the, then the year they won the World Series, they had Verlander for a whole year, they had Garrett Cole for a whole year, but the expectations were there, and that and it gets harder to keep that that ball on the top of a you know proverbial hill when when you've gotten there, like it, right. it you know you're pushing it up and you get it there, then you got to hold it there, and it's a heck of a lot harder to hold it there than it is to push it up the hill. I remember uh, your your good friend Kevin Slowey once said. It's like Sisyphus pushing a rock up a hill when he was coming back from an injury one time to a group of confused reporters who had to Google, what is Sisyphus pushing a rock up a hill? <laughs> well, for people that don't understand that, I was, that's exactly what I was describing. Is, is, and then he gets, a, you know, but the, the, a, the team gets to the top, and, and for me, it's harder to keep that rock from falling back down the hill. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's king of the hill, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you, you know you have a goal that's set out to chase something. In the Kevin Sloy example is a little funny because like Sisyphus never gets the ball up the hill, but whereas the Astros did win the World Series. So Sisyphus is the Timberwolves, basically. <laughs> it's like thirty years. I don't know. Hey, but speaking of the Royals, real quick, uh, why is Ned Yost like Ned Yost has his ring? I feel bad for Ned Yost. Why is he? Like, I don't know. Just Life go, is good. Go camping, man. Yeah, sure. Well, actually, last thing. time he went camping or hunting, he fell out of a tree. Like, did you guys ever see yeah, that? He almost that, died. That T-Mobile yeah. commercial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And mean, which is actually a true story. It's crazy. I mean, I I don't know how embellished the whole other part of it is, but yeah, he was up in a tree stand, and they you wear a harness and strap and like clip yourself to the tree in case you fall asleep or lose sure. your balance. I mean, you're. 20, 25 feet up in the air, which doesn't seem like a lot until you're up there. Was he hunting or tree yeah, camping? Yeah, he was deer. I okay. think he was okay. he was deer hunting. Yeah, you want some harness? Yeah, man. I don't know. I, uh, that's a that's a tough that's a tough deal there. You know, you get there and then all of a sudden you're, you know. But uh, well, they went there twice too, so it was like that. That is the storybook for a small to mid market team. Like you build, you build, you build, you take your shot, and they won it. Like the Royals. Are sort of storybook in that way, but then yeah, the final the final chapters, I guess, of that storybook. That's when the, that's when the rock starts rolling down the hill real fast. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going right. real quick. It's hard to stop. So I got a take for you guys, and I don't know if this is hot or not. I never know how. I never know the temperature of my takes until I, I tweet them. I'll get the hot take police intro ready here. But okay. I don't think this is at all. Things in April really couldn't have gone better for the 2019 Minnesota Twins. I look up and down the board, and there's really only one thing that you'd say, ah, yeah, they got a bad break there, and that's Miguel Sano not being here. And it's possible that because they've had some great gloves at third base, that and that's a whole discussion, the balance they're going to have to weigh of if they yeah. put him back in the lineup, who comes out, who goes down to yeah. Rochester. It's been a little bit of a mishmash over there. It has. Um, with and Marwin, with Astadio. And, and they're not getting gold glove defense. They're just, it's it's acceptable. I think you take, I mean, I think you take Sano and put him out there and say, let's go. Just figure it out. You but, know? but besides that, I mean, that's one thing. So, 
fans listening to this right now might say, well, the bullpen, it's been trash. But, like, has it compared to other American League bullpens? It hasn't been a strength by any means. But the guys you trust, you trust. And the starting staff, you mentioned Oda Rizzi. Martin Perez, like if I mean, is, if you're this looking, this has been really good for the Twins. And if you're looking for a bullpen to not not maybe win you games the way the Royals did at at their peak, but not lose you games, which they've done. They've they've actually done a little bit of both. They've had a yeah. couple blowups, a couple yeah. ugly games, but then you know the other night they Taylor Rogers comes in and and Parker comes in and they right. they keep a one nothing shutout pitch, yeah. you know, two scoreless innings in a one nothing game, like. That's not winning them a game. Like, is it winning them a game if they do it for three innings instead of two innings? Like, right, right, you right. know. But still, like, that's they're in the middle of the pack. I think so too. And, and yeah. that's and I think that's that's okay. It's okay when you have the best offense in the game. Actually, their their team. Would you prefer your uh, reliever rankings with ERA wins and losses or, or fifth <laughs> wins, <laughs> wins and losses? Yeah. What's the that? bullpen wins and losses? I think actually, Trevor Heldenberger sniped a few. I actually have that for you. That's my. That's one. Uh, Martin Perez got one in the, from the out of the bullpen too. So we got it. That one gets thrown in. So what is um, their what's their one loss record? The Angels lead the major leagues in bullpen wins with ten. So they must have the best bullpen. Yep. Even though they've probably blown the most saves, which has led them to ten wins. Um, uh, the Twins unfortunately are in a tie for twenty fifth in reliever wins. Oh, that's so no good. It's one of the worst. Can't bullpens have that. I thought they were more middle of the pack. Can't that's one of that. my favorite things. Do we still see? And it, it it happens across local and national broadcasts when a, when a starter comes in. Whatever, show his win loss record if you want to appease older fans. When a reliever comes in and it's like this reliever is two and one on the season, like I don't need that. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want, <laughs> I want FIP, and I want, I want win probability added. I think are, and and they they they're not the same and they don't work the same. But yeah. like that that tells you like it tells you they're I guess they're kind of going to tell you. I mean, you got to have a low FIP to have a low win or a high win probability added. Yep. I guess, but those are the things like you just you want you want a guy that you know he's going to go out there and get the job done, especially when it matters exactly. because. Even even a guy can come go out there in a seven nothing game, give up a home run. It's gonna it's gonna boost his FIP a little bit, but it's not gonna do anything to his WPA because the game was already out of hand. So that it it you can kind of combine those two a little bit. I think that you know obviously better than wins and losses. I hope FIP and win probability added become household terms or things we see on broadcast more often for fans. I'm sure there's a lot of fans who listen to the show and are wondering, did you guys just like break from speaking English for two minutes right there? And um, and the best way I would explain fielding independent pitching, which is what FIP stands for, it's what your ERA should be based on the things that you can control as a pitcher. It's strikeouts, walks, and home runs allowed, right? And then XFIP is it, like it, ground ball rates yep. instead of uh, home runs, right? Yeah, so that's that that includes ground balls and fly balls because assuming a, a fly ball leaves the park ten percent of the time, if you're if you have given up forty percent of your in play outs are fly balls and you haven't given up a home run, it's gonna assume that at some point you're gonna start giving up home runs to get yeah. that closer to the ten percent average. And uh and win probability added essentially is whatever the state of the game is, uh, whether you're a pitcher or you're a hitter, you come in and your team has an X percent chance to win or lose the game and whatever you do in that at bat or in that matchup as a pitcher, you affect the game two percent or eight percent in one direction or the other. Right. So if I hit a grand slam if I'm down by three with two outs in the ninth, and and it's a ninety five percent that that we lose, and I hit a grand slam, I now have increased my win probability yeah. added by like ninety five point nine five. Well, and if you hit a grand slam as the fourth hitter in the top of the first inning, 
you didn't. Yeah, you helped your team's chances because now you got a lead early. Well, in the you're game. you're essentially at fifty fifty. You're not clutch, more though. or less. <laughs> it's not clutch. <laughs> more or less, and, and maybe you you know so you might get you might get like four you know four tenths like a forty percent boost. Yeah, there. you'll get something added, but it wouldn't be as dramatic of an impact. And on then your you ground into two double plays as the game goes on, and you're right back to zero. <laughs> yeah, that's so. Right. <laughs> so the Twins rank their bullpen ranks thirteenth in the major leagues in. Let's call it expected ERA for uh, for everyone listening. Fielding independent pitching, and so what what it says is their ERA is four point seven eight. Their expected ERA based on FIP is about a half run lower. So it, that could either mean that there's some bad luck, that some fly balls aren't being tracked down, or whatever it could mean. But it's not train wrecky. It's sort of middle of the pack. And the fact that it's middle of the pack, and you have Taylor Rogers, who's very much not middle of the pack. I think that's a good sign. Let's come back and talk to Ryan Presley, should we? Let's do it. Glenn Perkins on baseball. It's the Score North Twins show. I've become a fan of baseball and everything you need to know about how baseball works. And it might get a little crazy, but let's get straight to it. Whoever scores the most runs wins. It's the Score North Twin Show. Minnesota Twins! Twins coverage on Score North and scorenorth.com. Uh, welcome back to Score North Twins Show. This is the Glenn Perkins on Baseball Show. Uh, I have an old friend, uh, good buddy, uh, longtime teammate, current Astro, Ryan Presley, uh, with me this morning. Uh, how are you doing, buddy? Good, man. Good to hear from you. Yeah, you while. too. We uh, we text occasionally. Uh, I try to give you words of encouragement and discouragement. Um, sometimes make fun of your hair. Sometimes tell you good job pitching. But uh, it's good to have you on. Um, man, so you were, I'm trying to think, you were a Rule 5 with us. It would have been 2013. Does that yeah. sound right? Yeah. So we were, we were teammates for a good four or five years. Uh, I got to watch you come from being obviously just a, a kid from Texas uh, that threw the crap out of the ball. I mean, you, you've been throwing 98 for like six years now, but uh, from that all the way to like what you are now, and and which is which is awesome. I guess I want to start with when you you get rule five and, and you come to a new team, you know, and, and years and years of of you did a little bit of up and down. You get to the trade deadline last year, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, what what is that like? Is it like every? I mean, you were I think one of the hottest commodities on the trade market. What what's that? What what what? How did the trade deadline go for you? What did you feel going through that process? Oh man, it was kind of a whirlwind of everything. You know, um, yeah, I didn't really think anything um, of it. You know, like you you see stuff like you have MLB Network on in the clubhouse, and you see it, and you know, media guys are are trying to, you know, work every angle and, and get stories and all that stuff. And we just happened to be in Toronto, and, and I was on the training table. was getting about to get stretched to go throw, and Logan Morrison just looked at me and goes, hey, you're on TV right now. And I was like, why? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know, man. You're throwing it. You might get traded. And I was like, no, ain't nobody going to trade, trade for me. And <laughs> sure as hell, you know, the Astros came calling when we were in Boston, and, you know, I was like, wow, you know, they're, they're really, this is really happening. And, um, you know, it was kind of a, kind of a weird feeling, <clears throat> you know, being told in the, in the clubhouse and saying goodbye to everybody. And then the next day, you know, wearing a different uniform and promptly giving up a Homer, which set well with the fan base down there, but <laughs> good, um, good introduction to your hometown fans. Yeah. 
I was like, sweet, great impression. <laughs> um, but it was it was uh, definitely one of those things where, you know, I, I didn't know what was happening, but, you know, you just kind of have to roll with the punches, I guess. Kind of feels like your uh, Major League debut again all over. Oh, God, did it. <laughs> um, so, obviously, like I said, you were, you were Rule 5 at 2013, man, six years ago now, uh, to being one of the most dominant leaders in the game. Tell me about, like, your evolution of, like, you know, what what you did when you first came up, you know, obviously to now where, I mean, my God, I, I don't know how anybody hits you ever. Like, how, how what was that path like for you? Man, you know, it was um... – there's a lot of people, including yourself, that, you know, when I was a Rule 5 guy. That's what I was um, getting at. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, you, you try to figure out a routine. I was a starter, you know. I was a starter all the way up through my career. I only had like a month in, in the relieving role in AA and in the Arizona Fall League. And, um, you know, when the Twins put me back there, I knew I was going to be more of a long relief, so it wasn't too far from starting. You know, I still had to eat two or three innings, but – um, you start to incorporate guys. You look at everybody's routine, um, including yourself, Burton, uh, Swarzak, Casey Fiend. You know, all those guys had separate routines, but I, I kind of took a little bit of something from everybody um, and incorporated it in my own routine and and how I can get ready really fast and and seeing what how different guys approach um, different hitters and you know and it, and it kind of evolved to. Um, you know, when I came over here, just ditching my two seamer and, and, you know, learning how to throw everything for a strike and it, and it opens up a lot of doors, as you may know. And, um, when you're able to throw everything for a strike, it keeps hitters off balance and you're not able to, you know, sit on one pitch. And I feel like that's what everybody was kind of doing in, in 2017 on me was, you know, he can't throw his curveball for a strike and we're just going to eliminate that pitch. And I didn't, I wasn't really throwing my slider really either. So. A lot of guys just kind of sat back and my fastball and crushed it. So yeah, well, I wanted to. to... <laughs> no, go ahead. No, I was just going to. Um, you know, it's, it it was a go down to AAA and figure out how to how to throw stuff for strikes again. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I wanted to bring that up with with like going from the Twins and I mean you were here right kind of when Derek and Thad took over and things started to change a little bit like philosophy wise the way they handled pitchers I, I think kind of what they wanted pitchers to know. Is it is it like a stark difference going from obviously here to to there and you know you've upped your curveball usage your your which expands your chase rate uh, obviously your strikeouts have gone through the roof you're you're just a little bit under a, a strikeout per nine guy with the Twins and and you're up over twelve now um, it, was it a big change like when you went there like like what they told you to do I mean you know is as far as pitch mix and and what what works for them and what doesn't. No, you know what, it was, it, you know, Garvin Alston um, in spring training kind of gave me um, free reign to do whatever I needed to do to get ready for the, for camp. And, you know, I've never had anybody do that to me because, you know, I've always been a guy that's always been, you know, pitching with my back against the wall. And you know, if, am, am I going to make the team? Am I not going to make the team? You know, I, I just need to work on fastball command right now. And he called me into his office uh, before spring training and said, you know, I need you to throw your curveball and I need you to throw it for a strike. So we need to start working on that. And I remember being in Dunedin. Um, yeah, I, I traveled, you know, believe it or not. I traveled. <laughs> not anymore, I, though. <laughs> no, not anymore. Only, only to uh, Jupiter. Um, but it was, you know, 
I need he was he was like I need you to learn how to how to throw it. It's going to be a such a big weapon for you. And <clears throat> I started throwing it, you know, more for a strike and throughout the season, and it, and it got better and better and better. And the only problem was is that I didn't know I needed to throw it more. Um, and when I got traded over to the Twin or t- traded over to the Astros, they said, "Listen, you know." keep throwing your curveball for strikes, but just need to up your usage and up your slider usage. And, you know, you need to pitch at the top of the zone. And if you would have told a pitcher to pitch at the top of the zone five, even five <laughs> yeah, years ago, yep. ten years ago, you would have been laughed out of baseball. I mean, that Rick you Anderson's know? line is throw the ball, you know, four spot, get the ball down on the way to a right end. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's, so. and that's what we've all known, you know. And um, so coming over to the Astros was a, a little bit of a change, but – I think I kind of picked it up and ran with it, and um, you know it was it was a, definitely a learning experience. Obviously, coming from the Twins because they weren't as far advanced as the Astros were, and um, you know I was I was kind of shocked to see how everything was being ran over here. Yeah, so uh, you, you talked about I was pitching with your back against the wall. I was trying to make a team. You signed a nice little contract this off season. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, that like I remember when I did that, like that was the best feeling going to spring training. It's like I can just get ready for the season. I don't have to try to make a team. I don't have to impress anybody. I can just do my job and then know that hey, I'm getting on that plane and I'm going to Minnesota or I'm going to Houston, you know, or wherever you're starting a season. Yeah, and that was one of the biggest you know reliefs that I've had in in my professional career. Um, you know. Uh, you, you when you get that put in front of you and you know you're obviously blessed and lucky enough to sign that contract and um and when I did I was it felt like a thousand pounds was lifted off my chest and and you know I, I don't have to worry about any of that stuff anymore I can just go out there and have fun with the guys and and really work on stuff that I need to work on and you know and it, it does make a huge difference going into camp knowing that you're going to make the team and knowing that you're going to be able to work on certain things that you need to work on that you weren't as good as you were last year or, or the year before, or you're still working on stuff. So, um, you know, taking that approach and, and being able to do that, do that kind of stuff was a huge, huge plus for me. Did you, did you get to come into spring training with like a big new jacked up pickup truck with huge tires on it or no? <laughs> you know what, man, I haven't even, I still got the same truck. I missed my F two fifty, but, um, I'm, I'm I'm looking at those uh, those 1955 Apaches though. Those, those uh, <laughs> they look good, man. <laughs> I love it. You could drive like an old Bronco or something down there too. I don't know. You got to buy something. Have you bought anything cool since you signed? Uh, you know what? I, I bought a I bought a nice suit. If that counts. Uh, no, I, I'm thinking about buying. It doesn't land. count if you're wearing uh, cowboy boots with it. Just so you know. You know, it, well, it, it is camo. It's a camo suit. <laughs> oh, God. And you and you got and you got the cowboy boots going with it. No, no cowboy boots today. Um, I'll wear those whenever we get down to Mexico. I want to get one of the ones that have the big old toe at the bottom of them. Ah, you're beautiful, man. Hey, I tell you what, uh, <laughs> it's good catching up with you. Uh, keep going, man. It's it's been fun to watch. And uh, uh, if you get out there today, you know you, you, you at least just let let them tie the game, okay? And then we'll take it to extra innings. So. You know what? I, I don't want to. I think you guys are getting enough goals against us this year, so. Um, I don't like losing to the Twins right now, <laughs> but you know that is a solid squad over there, man. They 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 could swing it. They put together some good at bats. They got some pitching. I mean, they're they're a real team over there right now. Yeah, you got to stay away stay away from that high end in fastball to Jonathan Scope apparently. 
Yeah, I I told uh told Springer I was like, man, that outfit looked pretty familiar. And when when he get, when he hit that homer um, <laughs> last time I gave up a homer, I knew I got sent to Triple A. So <laughs> it was uh, it was quite an impressive shot. <laughs> all right, man, it's good talking to you and uh, stay in touch. All right, buddy. Yeah, you as well. See you later, guys. All right, man. That was uh, Ryan Presley. Uh, <laughs> he was, was one of great. my favorite teammates that I've ever had. Like he's just it, like I don't know what it is about him. Like he's yeah. he's really smart, but like he kind of comes off as aloof. But like that was great. Uh, he's he's fantastic. We had so many talks. Like I can't tell you. Like if I had all our text conversations about how many times I'm like, stop throwing your damn fastball. <laughs> just throw a curveball every time. Like yeah. quit doing it. Like I, I I was down in Florida rehabbing. I watch him pitch. I'm like, stop throwing that. Like your like your fastball's good, but like your yeah. slider is un, your curveball are unhittable. Like, yeah. That was really interesting though that he said. You pointed out that five, ten years ago, if you said throw your high spin four seamer up in the zone, you'd have been laughed out of baseball. Well, and the amazing thing is, is when you're throwing a high a high spin pitch down in the zone, it's going to get crushed. Yeah, that's why people are barreling <laughs> yeah. it. But and like, that's why when you throw it and it's ninety seven miles an hour and it gets hit, you're like, how's it getting but, hit? Well, well, but ten years ago, it's like, oh, I'm I'm doing everything I'm guys, supposed to be like, doing. How many guys from back then would have been awesome if they would have been like, yeah. you, you got high spin, throw that thing high in the zone? But right. uh, I, I think well, two two. I want to circle back. I have a question for you based off. Um, what you guys talked about with the big contracts that you signed for the first time, but I love that that conversation because so many Twins fans have had questions about Presley was good here, His- and then he just became a superhero in in Houston, and he lays it out and says it wasn't that the Twins didn't know the Twins knew this is a ridiculous breaking ball, throw it, and the Astros basically came in and said. You think you're throwing it a lot? Throw it all the time. Yeah, right. You know, and I, I mean, I, I, and I wanted to sneak it in there, and and I can say it now. His evolution started last at the beginning of last season. I was gonna, I was gonna say that, and he brought up Garvin and, and what he when he brought him in, in spring training and Dunedin. Yeah. But it, that's what led him to getting traded. I mean, it, you look at his stats, and like you know, he's you could see this. this he slowly got better every year. He was mm-hmm. figuring it out to a point last year where he, you know he he did up his usage a little bit with the Twins and and was good enough, obviously, to where a team like the Astros is what that's what they're looking for. And and uh, yeah, the Twins. So I mean, just to because the Twins deserve credit for identifying him and then getting his strikeouts per nine from four and a half in 2014 to 13 strikeouts Man. per nine in the first half of last year. Well, think about that. And then they made a decision, well, he's 29, He's we're going to have to pay him in a year and a half, and we could probably just, like, what they're probably thinking is, I don't know this for sure, is, well, if we can get that out of Ryan Presley, and he's an 11th round draft pick, like, we can probably do it with a 24-year-old, right, and and find someone who's younger. But I, I you know, on behalf of the Twins and Twins fans, I would have said, find a way to keep this dude if yeah, you can. And well, find a way to keep him, maybe give him the contract that the that the Astros gave him. But Sure. You know, they, they, did, they did get a guy that's throwing like $115. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> you hope that you can recreate that, but, you know... 98 doesn't grow on trees as much as we think we can bump Velo up these days. 98 with two plus breaking it's, balls, and that's and I was just gonna say, is forget it's, about it's, it. It's not the 98. It's that it's I I I, I gotta believe he's he's in the, for sure in the top three in spin rate on his curveball, if not the the highest one. And if he's not the highest, a guy like Colin McHugh that we saw last mm-hmm. night, he's a high spin curveball guy or slider, mm-hmm. whatever he calls that thing. But it's he's at what 80 81 miles an hour. I mean, Presley's throwing that thing upper 80s Hard, with yeah. with. Almost the same spin rate. I mean, it's you can tell that's it's exactly why he's striking out thirteen per nine now. But you know, it's crazy though. You you said four and a half per nine, 
every spring training that I've been at covering the Twins for this station, people say Presley's got some of the best stuff on this staff, if not the best stuff. It's like, you know, well, when Perk was there, but then it's like Barrios, Presley. He's always had the stuff. That's what's kind of so fascinating about his evolution. Yeah, well, and, and that, that's, you just you have to learn how to use it. You have to have somebody tell you, you know, this is what this is what you need to do. Sure, I want to ask you about that actually, Glenn, because I've you know you read stories and Phil alluded to it a little bit that okay, the Astros told him how to be better. It's like, oh, all right, I don't want to take away credit from Ryan Presley though, who actually had to make the changes and actually went through it. What do you think when you, you read you, stories like that? You do, you you do have to go execute it, but sometimes you get wrapped up so much in your own bubble of just like going out there and, and getting guys out. That's why I was wanted to know, like I wanted to know my FIP. I wanted to know my swinging strike rate. Sure. Cause I wanted to know if it, it did two things for me. Am I doing the right thing? And if I get hit one time, if I have a bad outing, I need, I want some reaffirmation that my process is correct. I need, okay. I want I wanted to make sure I had the correct process, but sometimes you, you get so inside of yourself inside of your pitching inside of the game that that you forget to like take that 30,000 foot view and look like hey what you know am am I just getting lucky or you know can how can I be better and to have somebody you know be able to tell you hey like you know you're your strikeout and this is I, I I've said this for a, a few years with, with that team that you got to have somebody with some street cred with some baseball cred to be able to go into a locker room and say to a guy explain to him, hey, you know what? You're getting, they're swinging and missing at, at 40% of the curveballs you throw. <laughs> Which is You're silly. only throwing it 20% of the time. Throw it 40% of the time or 50% of the time. They're still going to swing at and miss just as much. Yeah. Like that's a predictive stat. That's not an ex-fit where, it, hey, this is going to come down. Like you you do that a certain amount of times and it's in its ex-spin rate. You're going to just continue to do that because guys can't hit that pitch. So throw that pitch more. And in turn, what it does is, hey, now those guys are going to be like, I got to, this guy threw me a curveball for a strike. Now I got to respect that. I mean, that was Joe Maurer as a hitter. If they couldn't throw him a breaking ball for a strike, he eliminated it. Mm -hmm. So if you can throw it for a strike and then you throw it in the dirt, then they have to worry about that. And hey, now I got 98. So I got to make sure that this thing is when that when that 98 is coming down the middle, I got to make sure it's 98 or I might have to make sure that's 88 and it's going to bounce off home plate. Yeah. Good luck reacting to that. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, you, you got to have somebody tell you those things, though, because sometimes you go out there and you're just throwing and you're thinking, all right, I got to two strikes and and I'm going to bury the curveball. And sometimes that works. Sometimes they take it. And then what? You know, so so it's it's that process of working through that bad of identifying what a guy. I never did scouting reports because I I, I wanted to be in that at bat and see react. I I didn't know what pitch I was going to throw on O one because I don't know how I how did I get to O one how did I get to O two how did I get to one two, it all of those things hmm. impact how you're going to get a guy out. So but to have somebody help you identify and and reaffirm, hey. <laughs> this pitch works really well. Throw it more. Uh, it is immeasurably important. Yeah. Um, what, so you guys talked about something. I want to circle back on a human element thing that I think is just really interesting and and you can relate to when we come back for this next segment. Glenn Perkins on baseball, the Score North Twin Show. Wetmore and Mackie uh, tagging along here and and soaking in the baseball knowledge. And if you haven't yet downloaded the Score North mobile app, it's a one stop shop. You can listen live to Score North. You can listen to all of our podcasts on demand. And also read articles from Derek Wetmore's Five Twins Thoughts on a weekly basis, Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad on Vikings, and Danny Cunningham on Timberwolves. 
available in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. Just search Score North, S-K-O-R North. Back talking more baseball here in a second. This copyrighted show is presented by authority of the Office of Score North. It may not be reproduced or retransmitted in any form. And the accounts and descriptions of this show may not be disseminated without the express written consent of Score North and Phil Mackey. Yeah. TV coming up soon for you. Uh, what is it? One a week from tomorrow. It's a big debut. You know what I saw? It's it's uh, it's Minnesota University of Minnesota Gopher Night or whatever. There so. you go. Is that on, fitting on purpose or I don't know. I, I think maybe I'll get to wear a hat on set then. I can cover up my graying hair. You don't need a haircut. You just wear your gopher. Oh, cap. I need a haircut. Okay. <laughs> if, I, if I if I and a beard trim, maybe. Yeah. If I was if this was a broadcast on Twitch or something, I'd have to get cleaned up. We should start doing that actually, just to no. make you feel inadequate, insecure. <laughs> no, we shouldn't do that. Uh, so I want I want because you guys uh, that was a great conversation with Ryan Presley in the last segment and. Ryan was an 11th round draft pick, grinds his way through the minor leagues, rule five pick. And what's it like when Ryan was in the minors? Like what? And he didn't get a big signing bonus as an 11th round pick. Those guys are making a salary, but it's not, I mean, what, 50 grand or something? Like, uh, no. No. Pre, pre getting put on the roster you're making, I mean, back then, I don't know what it is now, but I mean, I think I peaked at. Twenty two hundred a month in AAA, okay. yeah. just in the season or did in they season? Give you? Yeah, no. So that's in some, six months. So he, so he's thirteen grand. So a guy like him who didn't get the big signing bonus as an eleventh round pick, he's grinding throughout the minors, and then he gets to the major leagues, and you're making more money than most regular human beings. So I'm not trying to paint a poverty picture here, but what's it like when you grind for ten years in that case, or um, like for you, it took you a few years in the majors before you before they came to you and you got the contract that sets up your family for a long time. I just think there's a really interesting human element there of you work, you work, you work, you work, and you're in a field of of sports where there's a ton of money, but not everyone makes it that far in baseball because it takes like six years before you get that big guarantee contract. That must be a really amazing feeling that, wow, I just set my family up for a very long time. You know what? I, and like he touched on is is it's more that you you just get to go play baseball, that you're not constantly looking over your shoulder. You're not thinking, man, if I have a bad outing, I'm going back down. It's more yeah. that it, it, that's why you see guys when they sign, they go one of two ways. They, they either mail it in and, and don't do anything because they're, they're getting paid no matter what, or they, they get better because they don't have to worry about the that extraneous BS. And, you know, so it's, it's, and for me, like I I had two kids, you know, I signed in 2012. So I was, I was 29, uh, just about to turn 29 maybe. And so, you know, you got, I got two little kids and, uh, you know, a wife at home. I had spent two years ago, I was down at AAA for half the year and in Rochester and they're at home. And, you know, there's that whole thing of like, you know, am I going to make it? Am I ever going to get there? And so when you do, yeah, it's, it, 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 Knowing for me that it relaxed them, that like she could just do her thing, I could go just play baseball, and it, you know, it wasn't. I, I gave up a home run and blew a game, and you know, I'm I'm getting a call from her thinking like, are you getting sent down? Like it, it's just, hey, you know, it happened, and let's move on to tomorrow, and and you don't have to worry about the day to day, um, you know, ups and downs of of baseball. Yeah, um, is it? How many guys, like percentage of guys that get a big contract, do you think go the mail it in route? Just in not general? very many, because I mean, I mean, a lot of times, I think if I was going to give a contract to a guy, you you would 
a already know because he'd be in your arc for a while, or you you'd mm-hmm. have gotten to know him a little bit. So so you're not going to maybe pursue that with a guy that you don't think can fulfill it, um, you know. But so it, I don't think it's it's very often, um, you know. And, and guys have pride. I mean, I I took it as like they they. They they entrusted me with mm-hmm. this salary. I need to pay them back. I want I want to out you know and and as long as I was healthy, I outplayed it. I wanted to outplay it. I wanted to be underpaid. I always thought I don't want to be that guy that that that's overpaid. That is a drag on apparel that the fans hate. Like I wanted to be one of those guys that that you know they were an underpaid, a guy that that had value that brought extra value to the team. Um, you know, and, and that that's just that was my personality that I, you know, it, it just it you don't want the alternative. And I had been the alternative even when I wasn't getting paid. I yeah. you know, you struggle and fans don't like you, and if you struggle when you're getting paid, they like you even less. And and so, you know, it's um that was kind of the way I took it. Well, in Ryan's case, he's probably seen enough guys who had good stuff that didn't make it. That you, you just that's pitching in the big leagues. You see enough guys, you're around for long enough, you're like, Oh, that guy had just as good as stuff as me, and now he's fishing or whatever. And I feel like just from being around for a couple of years, I feel like that's a real motivating factor for some people. More so, and tell me if I'm wrong, Glenn, more so than the money. I, I feel like a lot of those guys, the contract is a byproduct of you accomplishing your goal of being a, a good big leaguer. It's not like, I want to be a good big leaguer to get paid. No, I, I want to be a good big leaguer, and I want to win a World Series. I feel like that's kind of a, a bigger motivation for a lot of those guys than the paycheck. They, yeah, they, and that, I mean, that was the case for me. I think at, at the same time, you know, baseball for me was always a means to an end. Sure, okay. Um, that, that I wanted to do more things. It was just when, I, when it was time to play baseball, that's what I was going to do, and I was going to give that everything I had. I always saw it as, as this is going to allow me to do other things that I want to do later in life more than continue to play baseball. It's pretty unique in my opinion. It is. And that, I mean, that's, you know, I, it, it goes back to me for with, with um, Brad Radke when I, I first played, he was an idol of mine growing up and then I got to play with him for two weeks, my, my rookie year. And he retired after that year. He had a broken shoulder and all that, but he, you know, at his retirement thing, he was 35 and he said, I got 10 years in the big leagues. I made enough money. I want to go home and be with my kids. And th- that was my introduction to like, a big leaguer and I was like man that is like that's the dream for mm-hmm. me like I want to get 10 years I want to be third I want to play to you know I made it while I was one year short but I you know play till I'm 35 make enough money and, and go do other stuff be around bring my kids to school and and watch them play sports those things that you don't get to do if you're you know and, and some guys you end up having kids later so that's not an issue and so mm-hmm. maybe they, they can keep playing or want to keep playing or whatever but um you know, we had kids young, and and so I wanted to. It, it just for me, it was always I loved playing, and and when I played, I wanted to do as well as I could, and and hope that my team did as well as as we could as well. But it was always for me, it was it was this is a phase of my life, and you know, I want to I want to work as hard as I can through that phase, and then and then move on to something else. Did you did you always feel that way, like even in college about baseball, or was there a time where your whole life was like all you could see was baseball, and then at a certain point you gained some perspective in some way? <laughs> it never was. I mean, we always had other stuff going on. There was always other things that, I mean, in college it was par- obviously parties and whatnot, but um, you know, we used to we used to go fishing all the time. We would go all every every chance we got in the spring when we when we didn't have practice or we had practice early or whatever we would go down to my parents house and fish like we were always trying to do other stuff 
and and have fun doing other things and um yeah, it just you know, I mean, everybody's different. It, it just I, I never wanted it to define define me. It never defined our family. I mean, you know, my kids never came to games. They went to bed at their bedtime, and it didn't matter if I, you know, if I was at the field till midnight. Like that was uh, dad's at work, and you know that that was that's the way I described it. Was I like any other person that goes to work in Minneapolis? I just I don't go to an office or a cubicle. I go to Target Field, and yeah. that was just the way I saw it. And you know, that worked for us. And it definitely got easier when I signed a, a guaranteed contract. I mean, that being able to go to work and not stress out about all those little minute things of that that pop up during a hundred and eighty five day season. Mm-hmm. I wonder why it is that because you know I, I feel like there are there's a segment of fans that feels like if you're if you're losing games and you're and you're at a restaurant even you know like there's that you should that, be working that, out that you should yeah. right that <laughs> that if you're not if you're if you have other things going on in your life then you're not as committed as you should be and I don't know what percentage of fans think that but that's definitely a thing that I hear and see from people on Twitter about about like maybe if maybe if Maurer spent you know. Uh, yeah, um, I don't think it's that many. It's I think it's that's not what that we hear many, from but, on Twitter. But you, you do you you do hear that stuff. Sure, it's it's maybe comical. maybe you should worry a little less about home brewing, Glenn, and yeah, work on right. your slider. Yeah, like, like <laughs> and it, it, but it, it's it's amazing like that none of the like oh yeah this guy's overpaid like you're not earned like a fan isn't paying any of a player's salary. None of that money goes to to salary for a team. I mean it's. So it's it, it that that stuff was ir- irrelevant. I I think it's funny that they expect us to like live at the baseball field and like not have a life. I mean, Verlander ran into that I think last year or the year before when he yeah. was when he was hurt and he was like doing something. They're like, well, you shouldn't you be trying to get your arm better? He's like, yeah, I, I was at the field for six hours yeah, today. Right, like, right. I think I did all I could for today. So now I'm going to enjoy my life. Right. Like, yeah. it's also okay to enjoy. Go back into your chamber like, and recharge. Yeah. You don't, I mean, you don't leave the office and go home and get right back on your Excel spreadsheet. Like I do. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that probably says more about me. <laughs> That's actually all. Derek actually has had his Excel spreadsheet open this entire show. It's, like, it's the only thing. Um, uh, so I, I think we were going to actually on this episode, we were going to dive into the home run barrage in baseball and for the twins, but the Presley interview was so great and it took us on some tangents unless major league baseball miraculously stops hitting home runs this week. I still think that's going to be a topic for next yeah. week that we can maybe do the whole it's, hour. Well, and it's going to get even more because every year there's a, there's a surge in home runs as the weather warms up. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I mean, you think yeah, it's, it's crazy now that teams are on pace for 300 home runs. It, yeah. It's uh we'll do that next week. Um, and with that, <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, everybody. If you approve of the Score North Twins show, we'd love for you to do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple or Spotify. It helps spread the word to new and more listeners. Uh, for Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore, I'm Glenn Perkins, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>